Good morning. Thank you again for coming and being here with me today as we have this privilege of continuing in the story and being able to hear what God has scheduled for us and for the people of Israel. Remember, that's what we're going through, uh, the whole story from beginning to end. I hope you're keeping up with that. Uh, it's pretty small reading every single week, so try to, try to stay up with us on that. It'll help you engage a little bit better on Sunday because on Sunday we don't have time to read through the entire portion of scripture. So hopefully you can do that little bit of homework and we can engage a little bit better than on Sundays. Uh, You know what? Thanksgiving is only like, what, is it 11 days away now? Can you believe that? Everybody's shaking their heads like, no, I can't believe that. You know, this week uh, I was engaging with some of the kids here at the preschool and in our kindergarten as I do every week. And I was talking to them, and I said, hey, kids, uh, do you guys know what holiday is coming up in just a couple weeks from now? And, of course, all of them together said, yeah, Christmas. <laughs> they, they have no idea. And why would they? Like, on Thanksgiving, uh, what, do the, what do the our little kids get? They get uh, a bunch of food on the table that they probably don't even like most of it, right? They don't even want to eat. But on Christmas, they know what they get, Right? They get gifts, and they're excited about those gifts. And so sometimes there's this tendency to jump over and hurdle this holiday and this celebration of Thanksgiving and just move on to to Christmas, to move on to those gifts and all the good things that we get. But let's not do that, Uh, not just with Thanksgiving here on this one holiday that we have in November, but Thanksgiving every day in our lives. As Pastor Mark mentioned, you and I have a lot of things to be able to be thankful for. Lots of things that God provides for us. And he gives us really, really good gifts. In fact, God gives us better gifts than we could ever imagine, it tells us in Scripture. Better gifts that we can ever ask for, it tells us within Scripture. And so I hope that you take time This year, as we look forward to celebrating our Savior's birth in just six weeks from now, the grace and the forgiveness and the love that God gives to you. Now, God gives good gifts, but has anybody here ever received a bad gift? Maybe you, at one time, gave somebody a bad gift. Not on purpose. Maybe it just happens. Maybe you didn't have time. Maybe you didn't take the effort or the energy or somebody that was giving that to you. This week, I was just looking at some of the worst gifts people had received, and I wrote down a few of these to uh, share with you today. First one said, uh, when my sister was newly divorced, my mother gave her a cookbook called Cooking for One. How sad. Somebody was not thinking. I'm sure she had the best intentions, right? But was not thinking about that. Second one I saw, one year my husband, guys, listen up, not because this is a recommendation, it's what not to do. One year my husband brought me, bought me a gift that he bundled together. It was a Roomba and a lip waxing kit. <laughs> not for your wife. She doesn't need those things. Even if she does need them, don't get them for her. And finally, I like this one. Uh, one Christmas, I received a Harrah's Casino coffee mug full of quarters given to me by my grandparents. The mug read, life begins at 21. I was nine years old. (laughs) You know, the gifts that we try to give 
don't always go uh, right. Maybe they're not always, always the best. Uh, maybe we don't put the right time and effort into them. But uh, put aside those gifts, and today I want you really thinking about the gifts that uh, God has given to you. Because I promise all the gifts that God gives to you, they are, they are thought out, they are well-planned, they are intentional, and they're specifically for you. And he gives us lots of things. You and I are, are pretty privileged people in this world. But with that privilege also comes a great opportunity to be able to share that love and share that forgiveness with our own kids, with our grandkids, with our neighbors, with people throughout the world. So we think about that this time of year too. What is the best way to share these gifts of God? In our story today, as we move from the book of Joshua to the book of Judges, the Israelites have been given an amazing gift. Chapter 8 is entitled, Few Good Men and Women, the story of the judges that God provides in their life. But the first gift that God gives to these people is the gift of the promised land. We've been looking forward to this for a long time. Not just these eight chapters, but really in the life of the Israelites, this has been hundreds and hundreds of years. A gift that was promised to them by God that they had to wait for a long, long time to be able to get to. He finally hands over this great and this wonderful gift. Their leader at the time, Joshua, uh, passes away. He dies, and the people begin to change. Let's look at this first scripture passage from the book of Judges chapter 2 today. It says, After the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, meaning all those people had died and they had moved on, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. This is a sad passage in the book of Judges. Think about that, a whole generation that doesn't know what God did for their ancestors or what he is doing for them right now. As parents or, or grandparents, just people that are here as part of our congregation, this should give us a, a moment to pause and to be able to think about what that means in, in our life, that people, generations, can go without knowing the great love and forgiveness that God has for them and how sad that truly is. Maybe the gift of the promised land, even though it was so good, just became normal after a while. Maybe people weren't sharing the accounts that God had for them, the things that he had accomplished in their lives with them. But either way, the story seems to be able to fade, as great a gift as it is. And I would challenge you and my, myself today not to imitate this behavior. You know, the whole book of Judges and all the books before that, we see the people imitating and mimicking the behavior of sinful people around them. And it's easy to do when we get caught up in our normal lives, our, our day-to-day, to become infected by things around us that truly are sinful. That's the story of the people of Israel, that sin constantly overtakes them. We see how powerful God is and how amazing he is, but we also see the power of sin. Do not doubt that in your life. Don't cast it away that you can just get around sin 
or that sin isn't going to hurt you, or that things are going well and so you don't need God that day in your life, don't imitate those behaviors that we see within the world, behaviors that are sinful. Imitate the behaviors of God. The people of Israel don't do that. They are told to be able to go into the land of Cana when they take over to push all the people out, and they don't. They disobey God, and they allow a lot of the people to stay, and the people that stay end up really hurting them, end up really destroying them and breaking them down. And so then God sends this angel to the people, and he tells them exactly what Lynn was reading for us in our scripture passage today, that because you have done these evil things, because you have not listened to me, there is a penalty for your sin, that you will be snared, that you will be poked by these thorns that exist. And that's true for you and I as well. There's a penalty for our sin. And a little bit from now, we're going to take part in this healing service, and we're going to ask you to come up here and have a prayer for yourself, for somebody else in your life, to have you uh, anointed and to lay that person's name at the foot of our Lord, not at the foot of myself or Pastor Mark. But all of those things that you will pray for, those physical pains, those emotional pains, people that are separated from God, are all because of sin. Every one of them, remember that. It is a powerful thing in our lives, and it is difficult. In the book of Judges, because the people face that same sin, God allows them to fall into the pit that they want to go into. He allows them to be taken over by raiders, it says, in the area to be able to be oppressed in different ways. In fact, I want to read just a little bit from the story today just to catch everybody up. There's a section I saw that I thought really summarized uh, this entire chapter pretty good. It's from page 104 of the story. And it says, Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders. They would not listen to their judges, but they prostituted themselves to other gods and worshipped them. They quickly turned from the ways of their ancestors who had been obedient to the Lord's commands. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived. For the Lord relented because of their groaning under those who oppressed and afflicted them. But when the judge died, the people returned to the ways even more corrupt than those of their ancestors, following other gods and serving and worshiping them, they refused to give up their evil practices and their stubborn ways. I don't know if the people of Israel are so different than we are today. People who refuse to give up their stubborn ways and their evil practices as much as we try. And so we too get trapped in this cycle of sin, what's what it's called in the book of Judges. People who start sinning really bad, and because so, uh, God allows them to fall into the oppression of their enemies. When they're in that state and they don't like what's going on or they're feeling the pain, they come and they cry out to God. They have this time of repentance. The Lord comes and he delivers them from their enemies and the people live in this time of peace. But when they're there in that time of peace, they still gaze to what could be the better things that they could have, the pleasures that they could be a part of. 
and they fall into that sin again, and it starts all over. In the book of Judges, we see 12 different judges that God sends to the people, and over and over again, the people go into this horrible cycle. And to tell you the truth, it never stops, even when we get to the end of the book of Judges. It's still something that's reoccurring over and over and over again. And it doesn't just end there at the book of Judges, as we conclude today, but it continues on with our life, too. A group of people who may ask that question sometimes, God, when is this going to end? I seem to be trapped in this horrible spiral that never stops. I want things to get better. I want healing. I want peace. But I seem to always fall back into this trap of sin. The problem is we always try to get ourselves out of it or rely on our own power, and we fail every single time. But the good news is, in the book of Judges and in all of the books of the Bible that we look at, God gives us a special promise. I think it's put really uh, in an eloquent manner when Paul shares it with the young pastor uh, Timothy. In chapter 2, he says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful. You see, that's the actual story that we talk about. Even though sin is a powerful element in our life, our God is much more powerful than that. So today, when you come up to receive healing for yourself or a family member or a friend, you remember that. You remember that sin that we have to go through and those thorns that exist, but you know for certain our faithful God is much more powerful than that, even when we are faithless. That's actually how the cycle finally stops, that God at one point sends a judge ultimately for us and for all people. One who we just confessed in the Apostles' Creed comes to judge the living and the dead, right? His kingdom will have no end, and we celebrate Jesus. But Jesus doesn't come just as a a judge to be able to pronounce judgment upon you. This judge is so different. All the judges within the book of Judges come on behalf of the people. God sends them. He raises them up to be able to be with them. And as I read in that little passage of scripture, it says that everything's great until that judge dies and then the people fall into sin again. You know, the same is that with Christ too. Christ comes and everything is great until he dies. But in that moment, he doesn't stay dead. In that moment, this judge actually gives himself for you and for me. He doesn't say that you are guilty, but he looks at you and says that you are innocent, that you are forgiven because of the payment that he has made on your behalf. What judge would ever do that? Only one that is perfect and that is loving and that is our Savior. And so today we remember the judge and the Savior that we have in Christ, one that is not dead, but one that lives when it comes to be able to remove us from that evil cycle of sin. And you will face that while you are here on this earth, but we look forward to the peace that we have with him in heaven. Let's pray. Lord, we know that many people in here today are struggling or suffering in different ways, 
And uh, Lord, I am no different. But we come to you today, and we thank you for the gift that you have given to us in Christ and the healing that you provide through your Son. And so today, allow us to be certain of this hope and this blessing that we receive in God, not because of the things that we are doing, but because of what you have already done. In Jesus' name, we lay all of these elements at your feet today. Amen.